Section 25 of the Journal of Lewis and Clark. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Charles Bice. The Journal of Lewis and Clark. By Meriwether Lewis and William Clark. Chapter 21, Part 3. To the Fourche au Calfa, Cocker's Creek, where the voyage terminates, they found level and good land on the right and high hills on the left hand. After passing over a very precipitous rapid, seemingly divided into four steps or falls, one of which was at least fifteen inches in perpendicular height, and which together could not be less than five and a half feet, they arrived at L's camp a small distance below the Fourche au Calfa, where they stopped on the 6th of December, as the pilot considered it the most convenient landing from whence to carry their necessary baggage to the hot springs, the distance being about three leagues. There is a creek about two leagues higher called Bayou des Sources Chauds, Hot Spring Creek, upon the banks of which the hot springs are situated about two leagues from its mouth. The banks of it are hilly, and the road less eligible than from L's camp. On ascending the hill to encamp, they found the land very level and good, some plants in flower, and a great many evergreen vines, the forest oak, with an admixture of other woods. The latitude of this place is 34, 27, 31, 5. The ground on which they encamped was about 50 feet above the water in the river, and supposed to be 30 feet higher than the inundations. Hills of considerable height and clothed with pine were in view, but the land around and extending beyond their view lies handsomely for cultivation. The superstratum is of blackish-brown color upon a yellow basis, the whole intermixed with gravel and blue schistus frequently so far decomposed as to have a strong aluminous taste. From their camp on the Washita to the hot springs, a distance of about nine miles, the first six miles of the road is in a westerly direction without many curiosities, and the remainder northwardly, which courses are necessary to avoid some very steep hills. In this distance they found three principal salt licks, and some inferior ones, which are all frequented by buffalo, deer, etc. The soil around them is a white tenacious clay, probably fit for potter's ware, hence the name glaise, which the French hunters have bestowed upon most of the licks, frequented by the beasts of the forest, many of which exhibit no saline impregnation. The first two miles from the river camp is overland of the second-rate quality, the timber, chiefly oak, intermixed with other trees common to the climate, and a few scattering pines. Further on, the lands on either hand rise into gently swelling hills, covered with handsome pine woods. The road passes along a valley, frequently wet by the numerous rills and springs of excellent water, which issues from the foot of the hills. Near the hot springs, the hills become more elevated, steeper, of ascent and rocky. They are here called mountains, although none of them in view exceed four 
or 500 feet in altitude. It is said that mountains of more than five times the elevation of these hills are to be seen in the northwest towards the source of the Washta. One of them is called the glass, crystal, or shining mountain from the vast number of hexagonal prisms of very transparent and colorless crystal which are found on its surface. They are generally surmounted by pyramids at one end, rarely on both. These crystals do not produce a double refraction of the rays of light. Many searches have been made over these mountains for the precious metals, but it is believed without success. At the hot springs, they found an open log cabin and a few huts of split boards, all calculated for summer encampment, and which had been erected by persons resorting to the springs for the recovery of their health. They slightly repaired these huts or cabins for their accommodation during the time of their detention at the springs for the purpose of examining them and the surrounding country and making such astronomical observations as were necessary for ascertaining their geographical position. It is understood that the hot springs are included within a grant of some hundred acres granted by the late Spanish commandant of the Washta to some of his friends but it is not believed that a regular patent was ever issued for the place, and it cannot be asserted that residents with improvement here form a plea to claim the land upon. On their arrival, they immediately tasted the waters of the hot springs, that is, after a few minutes cooling, for it was impossible to approach it with the lips when first taken up, without scalding. The taste does not differ from that of good water rendered hot by culinary fire. On the tenth day, they visited all the hot springs. They issue on the east side of the valley, where the huts are, except one spring, which rises on the west bank of the creek from the sides and foot of a hill. From the small quantity of calcareous matter yet deposited, the western spring does not appear to be of long standing. A natural conduit probably passes under the bed of the creek and supplies it. There are four principal springs rising immediately on the east bank of the creek, one of which may be rather said to spring out of the gravel bed of the run. A fifth, a smaller one than above mentioned as rising on the west side of the creek, and a sixth of the same magnitude, the most northerly, and rising near the bank of the creek. These are all the sources that merit the name of springs near the huts, but there is a considerable one below and all along at intervals the warm water oozes out or drops from the bank into the creek as appears from the condensed vapor floating along the margin of the creek where the drippings occur the hill from which the hot springs issue is of a conical form terminating at the top with a few loose fragments of rock covering a flat space 25 feet in diameter Although the figure of the hill is conical, it is not entirely insulated, but connected with the neighboring hills by a very narrow ridge. The primitive rock of this hill, above the base, is principally silicious, from part of it being the hardest flint, others a free stone extremely compact and solid, and of various colors. The base of the hill, and for a considerable extent, is composed of a blackish-blue schistus, which divides into perpendicular laminae like blue slate. The water of the hot springs is, therefore, delivered from the siliceous rock, 
generally invisible at the surface. From the mass of calcareous matter with which it is encrusted, or rather buried, and which is perpetually precipitating from the water of the springs, a small portion of iron in the form of red calx is also deposited, the color of which is frequently distinguishable in the lime. In ascending the hill, several patches of rich black earth are found, which appeared to be formed by the decomposition of the calcareous matter. In other situations, the superficial earth is penetrated or encrusted by limestone with fine laminae or minute fragments of iron ore. The water of the hot springs must formerly have issued at a great elevation in the hill and run over the surface having formed a mass of calcareous rock 100 feet perpendicular by its deposition. In this high situation they form a spring whose temperature was 140 of Fahrenheit's thermometer. After passing the calcareous region, they found the primitive hill covered by a forest of not very large trees, consisting chiefly of oak, pine, cedar, holly, hawthorn, and others common to the climate with a great variety of vines, some said to produce black and yellow grapes, both excellent in their kinds. The soil is rocky, interspersed with gravel, sand, and fine vegetable mold. On reaching the height of 200 feet perpendicular, a considerable change in the soil was observable. It was stony and gravelly, with a superficial coat of black earth, but immediately under it lies a stratum of fat, tenacious, soapy red clay, inclining to the color of bright Spanish snuff, homogeneous with scarcely any admixture of sand, no saline, but rather a soft, agreeable taste. The timber diminishes, and the rocks increase in size to the summit. The whole height is estimated at 300 feet above the level of the valley. On examining the four principal springs, or those which yield the greatest quantity of water, or of the highest temperature, number one was found to raise the mercury to 150, number two to 154, number three to 136, and number four to 132 degrees of Fahrenheit's thermometer. The last is on the west side of the creek. Number three is a small basin in which there is a considerable quantity of green matter, having much appearance of a vegetable body, but detached from the bottom, yet connected with it by something like a stem, which rests in calcareous matter. The body of one of these pseudo-plants was from four to five inches in diameter. The bottom, a smooth film of some tenacity, and the upper surface divided into ascending fibers of half or three-fourths of an inch long, resembling the gills of a fish, in transverse rows. A little further on was another small muddy basin in which the water was warm to the finger. In it was a vermis about half an inch long, moving with a serpentine or vermicular motion. It was invariably observed that the green matter forming on the stones and leaves covered a stratum of calcareous earth, sometimes a little hard or brittle, at others soft and imperfect. From the bottom of one of the springs, a frequent ebullition of gas was observed, which not having the means of collecting, they could not ascertain its nature. It was not inflammable, 
and there is little doubt of its being carbonic acid from the quantity of lime and the iron held in solution by the water. They made the following rough estimate of the quantity of water delivered by the springs. There are four principal springs, two of inferior note, one rising out of the gravel, and a number of drippings and drainings all issuing from the margin or from under the rocks which overhangs the creek. Of the four first mentioned, three deliver nearly equal quantities, but number one, the most considerable, delivers about five times as much as one of the other three. The two of inferior note may together be equal to one, and all the droppings and small springs are probably underrated at double the quantity of one of the three. That is, altogether they will deliver a quantity equal to eleven times the water issuing from the one most commodiously situated for measurement. This spring filled a vessel of eleven quarts in eleven seconds. Hence the whole quantity of hot water delivered from the springs at the base of the hill is 165 gallons in a minute, or 3,771 hogsheads in 24 hours, which is equal to a handsome brook and might work an overshot mill. In cool weather, condensed vapor is seen rising out of the gravel bed of the creek from springs which cannot be taken into account. During the summer and fall, the creek receives little or no water, but what is supplied by the hot springs. At that season itself is a hot bath, too hot indeed near the springs, so that a person may choose the temperature most agreeable to himself by selecting a natural basin near to or farther from the principal springs. At three or four miles below the springs, the water is tepid and unpleasant to drink. From the western mountain, estimated to be of equal height with that from which the hot springs flow, there are several fine prospects. The valley of the Washta, comprehended between the hills on either side, seemed a perfect flat and about twelve miles wide. On all hands were seen the hills or mountains, as they are here called, rising behind each other. In the direction of north, the most distant were estimated to be fifty miles off and are supposed to be those of the Arkansas River, or the rugged mountains which divide the waters of the Arkansas from those of the Washta, and prevent the Osage Indians from visiting the latter, of whom they are supposed ignorant. Otherwise, their excursions here would prevent this place from being visited by white persons or other Indians. In a southwest direction, at about forty miles distant, is seen a perfectly level ridge, supposed to be the high prairies of the Red River. Notwithstanding the severity of the weather, a considerable number and some variety of plants were in flower, and others retained their verdure. Indeed, the ridge was more temperate than the valley below. There it was cold, damp, and penetrating, here dry, and the atmosphere mild. Of the plants growing here was a species of cabbage, the plants grow with expanded leaves, spreading on the ground, of a deep green with a shade of purple. The taste of the cabbage was plainly predominant, with an agreeable warmth inclining to that of the radish. Several taproots penetrated into the soil of a white color, having the taste of horseradish, but much milder. A quantity of them, 
taken to the camp and dressed, proved palatable and mild. It is not probable that the cabbage has been scattered on this ridge. The hunters ascending this river have always had different objects. Until further elucidation, this cabbage must be considered as indigenous to this sequestered quarter, and may be denominated the cabbage radish of the Washta. They found a plant, then green, called by the French racine rouge, red root, which is said to be a specific in female obstructions. It has also been used, combined with the china root, to dye red, the last probably acting as a mordant. The top of this ridge is covered with rocks of a flinty kind, and so very hard as to be improper for gun flints, for when applied to that use, it soon digs cavities in the hammer of the lock. This hard stone is generally white, but frequently clouded with red, brown, black, and other colors. Here and there, fragments of iron stone were met with, and where a tree had been overturned, its roots brought to view fragments of schistus, which were suffering decomposition from exposure to the atmosphere. On digging where the slope of the hill was precipitous, they found the second stratum to be a reddish clay, resembling that found on the conical hill, east side of the camp. At two-thirds down the hill, the rock was a hard freestone, intermixed with fragments of flint which had probably rolled from above. Still lower was found a blue schistus in a state tending to decomposition where exposed to the atmosphere, but hard and resembling coarse slate in the interior. Many stones had the appearance of turkey oil stones. At the foot of the hill it expands into good farming lands. Dr. Hunter, upon examining the waters of the hot springs, obtained the following results. It differed nothing from the hot water in smell or taste, but caused a slight eruption shortly after drinking it. Its specific gravity is equal to rain or distilled water. It gave to litmus paper a slight degree of redness, evincing the presence of the carbonic acid, or fixed air, sulfuric, and threw down a few detached particles. Oxalate of ammoniac caused a deposition and white cloud, showing the presence of a small portion of lime. Prussiate of potash produced a slight and scarcely perceptible tinge of blue, designating the presence of a small quantity of iron. Sixteen pounds of water evaporated to dryness left ten grains of gray powder, which proved to be lime. The myrtle wax tree grows in the vicinity of the springs. At the season in which the voyagers were there, the wax was no longer green, but had changed its color to a grayish-white from its long exposure to the weather. The berry, when examined by a microscope, is less than the smallest garden pea, approaching to an oval in form. The nucleus, or real seed, is the size of a radish and is covered with a number of kidney-shaped glands of a brown color and sweet taste. These glands secrete the wax which completely envelops them and, at this season, gives to the whole the appearance of an imperfectly white berry. This is a valuable plant and merits attention. Its favorite portion is a dry soil, rather poor and looking down upon the water. It is well adapted to ornament the margins of canals, lakes, or rivulets. The Casina Yapon is equally beautiful and proper for the same purpose, 
It grows here along the banks of this stony creek, intermingled with the myrtle, and bears a beautiful little red berry, very much resembling the red currant. The rock through which the hot springs either pass or trickle over appears undermined by the waters of the creek. The hot water is continually depositing calcareous and perhaps some siliceous matter, forming new rocks, always augmenting and projecting their promontories over the running water of the creek, which prevents its formation below the surface. Whenever this calcareous crust is seen spreading over the bank and margin of the creek, there most certainly the hot water will be found either running over the surface or through some channel, perhaps below the new rock or dripping from the edges of the overhanging precipice. The progress of nature in the formation of this new rock is curious and worthy the attention of a mineralogist. The hot water issues from the fountain. It frequently spreads over the superficies of some extent. So far as it reaches on either hand, there is a deposition of, or growth, of green matter. Several laminae of this green matter will be found lying over each other, and immediately under, and in contact with, the interior laminae, which is not thicker than paper, is found a whitish substance resembling a coagulum. When viewed with a microscope, this last is also found to consist of several, sometimes a good number, of laminae of which that next the green is the finest and thinnest, being the last formed, those below increasing in thickness and tenacity until the last terminates in a soft, earthy matter which reposes on the more solid rock. Each lamina of the coagulum is penetrated in all its parts by calcareous grains, extremely minute, and divided in the more recent web but much larger and occupying the whole of the inferior laminae. The understratum is continually consolidating and adding bulk and height to the rock. When this acquires such an elevation as to stop the passage of water, it finds another course over the rock, hill or margin of the creek, forming in turn accumulations of matter over the whole of the adjacent space. When the water has found itself a new channel, the green matter, which sometimes acquires a thickness of half an inch, is speedily converted into a rich vegetable earth and becomes the food of plants. The surface of the calcareous rock also decomposes and forms the richest black mold intimately mixed with a considerable portion of soil. Plants and trees vegetate luxuriantly upon it. On examining a piece of ground upon which the snow dissolved as it fell, and which was covered with herbage, they found in some places a calcareous crust on the surface, but in general a depth of from five inches to a foot of the richest black mold. The surface was sensibly warm to the touch. In the air, the mercury in the thermometer stood at 44. When placed four inches under the surface and covered with earth, it rose rapidly to 68, and upon the calcareous rock, eight inches beneath the surface, it rose to eighty. This result was uniform over the whole surface, which was about a quarter of an acre. On searching, they found a spring about fifteen inches under the surface, in the water of which the thermometer showed a temperature of one hundred thirty. Beneath the black mold was found a brown mixture of lime and silex, very loose and divisible, apparently in a state of decomposition, 
and progressing towards the formation of a black mold. Under this brownish mass, it became gradually whiter and harder, to the depth of from 6 to 12 inches, where it was calcareous, sparkling stone. It was evident that the water had passed over this place and formed a flat superficies of silicious limestone, and that its position, nearly level, had facilitated the accumulation of earth in proportion as the decomposition advanced. Similar spots of ground were found higher up the hill, resembling little savannas, near which hot springs were always discovered, which had once flowed over them. It appears probable that the hot water of the springs, at an early period, had all issued from its grand reservoir in the hill, at a much greater elevation than at present. The calcareous crust may be traced up, in most situations, on the west side of the hill, looking down the creek and valley, to a certain height, and perhaps 100 feet perpendicular. In this region, the hill rises precipitously and is studded with hard silicious stones. Below, the descent is more gradual, and the soil a calcareous black earth. It is easy to discriminate the primitive hill from that which has accumulated by precipitation, from the water of the springs. This last is entirely confined to the west side of the hill, and washed at its base by the waters of the creek no hot spring being visible in any other part of its circumference. By actual measurement along the base of the hill, the influence of these springs is found to extend seventy perches in a direction a little to the east of north. Along the whole of this space the springs have deposited stony matter, calcareous with an addition of silex or crystallized lime. The accumulation of calcareous matter is more considerable at the north end of the hill than the south. The first may be above 100 feet perpendicular, but sloping much more gradually than the primitive hill above, until it approaches the creek, where not unfrequently it terminates in a precipice of from 6 to 20 feet. The difference between the primitive and secondary hill is so striking that a superficial observer must notice it. The first is regularly very steep and studded with rock and stone of the hardest flint and other silicious compounds, and a superficies of two or three inches of good mold covers a red clay. Below, on the secondary hill, which carries evident marks of recent formation, no flint or silicious stone is found. The calcareous rock conceals all from view and is, itself, frequently covered by much fine, rich earth. It would seem that this compound, precipitated from the hot water, yields easily to the influence of the atmosphere, for where the waters cease to flow over any portion of the rock, it speedily decomposes, probably more rapidly from the heat communicated from the interior part of the hill, as insulated masses of rock are observed to remain without change. The cedar, the wax myrtle, and the Cassina Yapon, all evergreens, attach themselves particularly to the calcareous region, and seem to grow and thrive even in the clefts of the solid rock. A spring, enjoying a freedom of position, proceeds with great regularity in depositing the matter it holds in solution. The border or rim of its basin forms an elevated ridge, from whence proceeds a glacis all around where the waters have flowed for some time over that part of the brim, 
this becomes more elevated, and the water has to seek a passage where there is less resistance, thus forming, in miniature, a crater resembling in shape the conical summit of a volcano. The hill being steep above, the progress of petrification is stopped on that side, and the waters continue to flow and spread abroad, encrusting the whole face of the hill below. The last formed calcareous border of this circular basin is soft and easily divided. At a small depth, it is more compact, and at the depth of six inches, it is generally hard white stone. If the bottom of the basin is stirred up, a quantity of red calx of iron rises and escapes over the summit of the crater. Visitants to the hot springs, having observed shrubs and trees with their roots in the hot water, have been induced to try experiments by sticking branches of trees in the run of hot water. Some branches of the wax myrtle were found thrust into the bottom of a spring run, the water of which was 130 by Fahrenheit's thermometer. The foliage and fruit of the branch were not only sound and healthy, but at the surface of the water, roots were actually sprouting from it. On pulling it up, the part which had penetrated the hot mud was found decayed. The green substance discoverable at the bottom of the hot springs, and which at first sight has the appearance of plush, on examination by the microscope was found to be vegetable production. A film of green matter spreads itself on the calcareous base, from which rises fibers more than half an inch in length, forming a beautiful vegetation. Before the microscope, it sparkled with innumerable nodules of lime, some part of which was beautifully crystallized. The circumstance might cause a doubt of its being a true vegetable, but its great resemblance to some of the mosses, particularly the bissy, and the discovery which Mr. Dunbar made of its being the residence of animal life, confirmed his belief in its being a true moss. After a diligent search, he discovered a very minute shellfish of the bivalve kind inhabiting this moss, its shape nearly that of the freshwater mussel, the color of the shell a grayish-brown, with spots of a purplish color. When the animal is undisturbed, it opens the shell and thrusts out four legs, very transparent and articulated like those of a quadruped. The extremities of the forelegs are very slender and sharp, but those of the hind legs somewhat broader, apparently armed with minute toes. From the extremity of each shell issues three or four forked hairs, which the animal seems to possess the power of moving. The forelegs are probably formed for making incisions into the moss for the purpose of procuring access to the juices of the living plant, upon which, no doubt, it feeds. It may be provided with a proboscis, although it did not appear while the animal was under examination. The hind legs are well adapted for propelling it in its progress over the moss, or through the water. It would be desirable to ascertain the cause of that perpetual fire which keeps up the high temperature of so many springs as flow from this hill at a considerable distance from each other. Upon looking around, however, sufficient data for the solution of the difficulty are not discoverable. Nothing of a volcanic nature is to be seen in this country, neither could they learn that any evidence in favor of such a supposition was to be found in the mountains 
connected with this river. An immense bed of dark blue schistus appears to form the base of the hot spring hill and all of those in its neighborhood. The bottom of the creek is formed of it, and pieces are frequently met with, rendered soft by decomposition, and possessing a strong, aluminous taste, requiring nothing but lixiviation and crystallization to complete the manufacture of alum. As bodies undergoing chemical changes generally produce an alteration of temperature, the heat of these springs may be owing to the disengagement of caloric, or the decomposition of the schistus. Another, and perhaps a more satisfactory cause, may be assigned. It is well known that within the circle of the waters of this river, vast beds of a martial pyrist exist. They have not yet, however, been discovered in the vicinage of the hot springs, but may nevertheless form immense beds under the bases of these hills, and as in one place at least, there is evidence of the presence of bitumen. The union of these agents will in the progress of decomposition, by the admission of air and moisture, produce degrees of heat capable of supporting the phenomena of the hot springs. No sulfuric acid is present in this water. The springs may be supplied by the vapor of heated water ascending from caverns where the heat is generated, or the heat may be immediately applied to the bottom of an immense natural cauldron or rock contained in the bowels of the hill from which, as a reservoir, the springs may be supplied. A series of accurate observations determined the latitude of the hot springs to be 34, 31, 45, 16 north, and longitude 6, 11, 25, or 92, 50, 45 west from the meridian of Greenwich. End of section 25. Recording courtesy of Weemabi Press by Charles Bice. www.charlesbice.com